Welcome, I'm Anastasia Glova bringing you the Cato Daily Podcast. Full and edited versions of our podcasts are available on our website at www.cato.org. Encouraged by an economy growing at more than 6% every year, Russians no longer feel that their ruble is a second-class currency. Last month, President Putin made the ruble fully convertible, improving Russia's reputation on the financial markets after defaulting on 40 billion U.S. dollars in debt eight years ago. Has Russia arrived? A telephone interview with senior fellow Steve Henke reveals that at least he seems to think so. Why did Putin choose to remove currency controls on the ruble and make it fully convertible after years of close management? Well, Russia now has full convertibility for the first time since August 8th of 1914. So in all those years, we've got almost a century, you have had freedom restricted. And that's exactly what these capital controls do to someone owning a currency. They're restricted in their use. Either you can't take the money out of the country without going through government regulations or some payoff of somebody, or you can't bring hard money into the country and get it converted without doing the same thing, paying somebody off or going through some kind of government regulations. Now, it's just like it is in the United States or Western Europe. You've got full convertibility on the ruble. It was a great day for freedom. How has this impacted the Russian economy? Has the ruble strengthened or weakened against the U.S. dollar? It's strengthened a bit, but it's been on a strengthening trend for some time now, and it's strengthened almost 7% over the last year. And since July itself, it's strengthened at an annualized rate of about 1.5%. So it's trending up and getting strength relative to the dollar. And, uh, of course, the economy, it's too early to tell what it's really done to the economy. I think ultimately it will be a great thing for the economy because now you'll free to move money into Russia and out of Russia, which simply means that the property values and property rights in any asset denominated in Russian rubles will go up because of the present value of the cash flow or benefit stream you would anticipate to get from the assets denominated in rubles is going to go up. You've got complete freedom to go in rubles or go out of rubles now. So all assets denominated in rubles will go up in value. And I think in general, in practical terms, you'll get a lot more flows of money going into Russia in the system before they had full convertibility, it was pretty easy actually to get money out of Russia, even legally get money out of Russia. The big restrictions were in taking money into Russia and converting it into rubles. You, you actually, if you bought Russian bonds, you had to put a portion of that money that you were bringing into Russia at the Central Bank of Russia and keep it there in an interest-free deposit. So you don't have to do that anymore. The bottom line on this is that on balance, since it was more or less free to take money out of Russia before, but the restrictions were on inflows, the, the net result of full convertibility at this particular time will be more net inflows. And, and this could add maybe 30 or $40 billion a year in, in net inflows this year. So it's quite a bit of capital going into Russia and into the capital markets in Russia that'll that'll make the capital markets and the stock market perk up. I mean, they've been perked up, but it'll perk them up even further. And you'll get the capital market 
deeper and wider and working more effectively to allocate capital in the economy, which is a big problem anyway. You, you want the capital market to be working so that it can move capital to the places where it can be put to most productive use, and, and there'll be more of that going on now. So this is, this is a great thing for free market and a free market approach to the system in Russia. Is there much international interest in Russia's capital markets? Yes, there is. As I say, I, I'm anticipating this might incrementally get them maybe $30 billion or $40 billion more in U.S. dollars coming in this year than would have been the case if they would have had the restrictions and capital controls in place. Why was there so little media attention devoted to this development? Well, I think the main thing, it's a, probably a confluence of a number of things. My conjecture is that the propaganda machine in Washington, especially with the Bush administration, got President Bush and Vice President Cheney running around essentially saying that Putin you know, can't do anything right, and certainly he's going towards an authoritarian regime and away from free markets and so forth that the idea of printing something that he's done a huge liberalization by going to full convertibility, which they haven't had for almost a century in Russia, is something that was just verboten. So you have some censorship coming out of the White House and then a lot of self-censorship in the press, and thirdly, just a lot of general ignorance in the press. And even things like the economics profession, I'm, I'm amazed at the reaction to my Forbes piece that many professional economists who should follow these things had no idea that this could even happen. I mean, I've had quite a response to the article by good professional economics types that should know better, but actually there was so little reported in the press that unless you were really following it and trading currencies and so forth, you wouldn't have known this even happened. And remember, this happened before the G8 meeting in St. Petersburg. So you would have thought everyone there would have graciously congratulated on Putin for pulling a big one off, scoring some points for economic freedom and liberty, and there wasn't a peep out of anyone. This has been Cato Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening.